I would like to offer a presentation of Beauty and the Beast. You think I'm kidding, don't you? Put it up there, sis. Okay. <clears throat> now, before I do, you, you may be seated. I've got a lengthy reading. And then we're going to play the theme song of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and I'm going to put on a beast hat. My wife's going to come up and dance with me. <laughs> Oh, I, I'm giving you just a little bit of humor to start things, but uh, yesterday, I, I, I've been working on this for some time, and, you know, there's this particular kind of message is a message I normally would preach on a Wednesday or even a Sunday morning, uh, but I, I, was, I was praying, and I said, God, I said, how, how? I know some things seem redundant when you, uh, when you talk to God, but I said, how do you get people to have lasting joy? And I just kept praying that question, how do you get people to have lasting joy? And, you know, I, that, that refers to me as well. And I, I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me very clearly, and, and, and the and Spirit spoke to me this. He said, the knowledge that I will come again is... The only way that people can have lasting joy. The Bible speaks of lasting joy. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. His right hand, there's pleasures forevermore. But what keeps that going is the knowledge that Jesus is returning. And that knowledge will only be lasting if people not only learn to pray, but pray. Because prayer keeps it in your heart. Prayer keeps it ever before you. Prayer is, is the, and you're going to hear this in this message, prayer is the power, the workhorse, if you would, of worship, of praise. Uh, you've heard me say in the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy is a workhorse of the word of wisdom. Prophecy is a workhorse of the word of knowledge. Uh, it is the workhorse of any of the speaking gifts. It, it, it is the workhorse because it simply means to speak forth, to bring forth. Prayer is a bringing forth of worship. Prayer is a bringing forth of praise. So any time it leaves your lips, even if it's a shouting hallelujah, it's a prayer. We call it praise, same word. It's always in a form of a prayer. So it is the workhorse, if you would, or it is the what keeps before us the knowledge that Jesus is returning. The closer you get to the Lord in prayer, the closer you get to the Lord in prayer, the more the Lord is before you in every way. He's always close when you're in prayer. A man that was here this morning, Brother Gates, he was from, um, he was from Brother Pendergrass Church in, in, uh, in Illinois. And he, uh, he's a minister and he, I was occupied this morning, but he, he left and he, he said he got a ways down the road and he said he felt like coming back and talking to me. And I was still here. And uh, he came back and he had, uh, this is interesting since I was going to preach this tonight, but he, he had worked for 25 and a half years in a hospital for the criminally insane. He transported them. And we were talking about 
prayer, demon possession, various things that he had encountered and things I'd encountered. And uh, he told me that one time he had pulled into uh, a place to get dinner. He said there was two men that was transporting this one man. He said the one man had to go in and eat while he stayed out, and then they switched off. And he said while he was in the, the vehicle, he said, he, he said I, all of a sudden, he said, my left arm and my chest began to hurt. And he said, uh, you know, most people would have thought that was a heart attack. And of course, that's common symptoms. He said, but I knew what it was. And he said, but I, I never acknowledged it. And he said, I got out of the truck. He said, I called my wife. I called a, a saint in the church, and, I, and both of them were busy, he said. But he said, I asked them to pray. He said, pray with me. And they said that they would do the best they could under the circumstances. And he said, I got in back into the truck. And he said, under my breath, I, I began to pray and ask God to relieve this. And he said, as soon as I said, God, take this away, he said, that prisoner in the back, it left me and that prisoner in the back yelling. He said, oh, he said, I'm having a pain in my chest. He said, during the trip, he said, I'd have a pain in my back. He said, I'd pray. And that man would yell, oh, he feels like a knife in my back. It was a demon. And that man was keeping this. He was harboring this, this demon. And it would attack him. And he said, as soon as I began to pray, he said, the thing would leave me and go right back to the source where it came from. And he said, this continued and, and throughout the whole trip. He said, different portions of my body would be attacked. And he said, as soon as I began to pray against it, he said, it would go right back to the source and would uh, afflict him. What I'm saying is that prayer is more powerful than any one of us could ever imagine. Now, I'm going to present this to you tonight in just a, um, just a little bit different than maybe you've ever heard, but I hope you can understand what I'm trying to do. You know, one thing about it, I hate preaching the same style over and over and over again. I can get loud and I can jump and I can get I can't jump too much anymore, but I can get up here and dance on this and, you know, and get back there and do all the stuff that I do. And then sometimes I like doing what I'm doing tonight. So I just, uh, I don't like to be stuck in any one thing. I don't want to say, oh, that's how Brother Robertson preaches. And they say, well, I don't know how he preaches. He preaches differently. So, you know, that's, that's a good thing. But I'm going to read to you a very beautiful story in Scripture in Genesis 24. It's a lengthy reading somewhat, 34 through 46. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and, and donkeys. We'll use that term. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites. By the way, if any of you uh, ladies want to marry someone outside the church, that's what a Canaanite is. Okay? And whose land I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. And I said unto my master, peradventure, the woman will not follow me. And he said unto me, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife from my son of my kindred and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from this my oath when thou comest to my kindred. And if they give not thee one, thou shalt be clear from my oath. And I came, I came this day into the well. 
and said, O Lord God of my master, Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say to her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink thou, and I will also draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out for my master's son. And before I had done speaking in mine heart, behold, Rebekah came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder. And she went down unto the well and drew water. And I said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. Genesis twenty-four fifty-eight. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Will thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Now, one verse found in the New Testament, Luke 11 and verse 1, and it said, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. You may be seated in Jesus' name. By the way, there will be, I'm going to be here probably at 6 o'clock Tuesday prayer, we'll have praying, we'll have prayer from 6 to 8 o'clock here on Tuesday night, and I'm also calling a fast Well, I don't listen to that stuff. It's okay. I forgot. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know that play practice is much more important than prayer meeting. Do I? Oh no, no, no! I really was. I forgot. But what we'll do is, are you doing it Thursday? We'll do it Thursday, six to eight o'clock on Thursday. Okay. So I, I want. I want us to pray, and we're going to call a fast day for that day as well. And we're fasting and praying for evangelism. And that's how I'm putting I'm not putting revival under this. Evangelism, reaching souls. That's what we're doing. Now, one day, in a land far, far away, a man became lost in a dense forest. Desperate to find his way, he plunged deeper into the forest then, or then, than he had ever been before. He'd never been quite that far into the forest before. When all hope seemed gone of finding a way out, the man happened upon a wondrous castle. Wondrous. Surrounded by lovely gardens. And this man made a terrible mistake at this time. He, he picked a rose from the hedge. And barely had he done this, and this huge, hairy, mean-looking beast that looked just like, I'm not going to say. He appeared demanding to know why he had stolen a rose from his garden. The man was so frightened that he could hardly speak, and uh, eventually, however, he managed to explain that the rose reminded him so much of his lovely daughter named Beauty, and, and, and that's why he had plucked his rose. Well, the beast promised to let him go if he would bring beauty back to live in the castle forever. The man went away from the castle sorrowful for beauty was such a lovely girl. Nevertheless, he had promised and he returned to the castle with beauty. The young lady was enchanted with the castle, with the, with the fountains, the exotic birds, and the exquisite furnishings. Yet the ugly beast marred the appearance of all. One night at dinner, the beast asked her to marry him, and she refused. But over time, a friendship blossomed. On a short visit back home, Beauty realized that she had fallen in love with this horrible beast. And the next time Beast asked her to marry him, she accepted and was immediately changed into a handsome prince, and they were married, and they lived happily ever after. All right, we're done. Want to have altar call?
The moral of this 18th century story by Madame Gabrielle de Villeneuve is that sometimes, indeed, many times, true beauty is often disguised in ugliness. And that's just the moral of the story. That's not what I'm preaching. Now, everyone loves a good love story, and I guarantee you, I had complete quiet during that story. Now, everybody will get noisy. Every kid in this place will get noisy from here on. Now, you just, you, you watch what I'm saying. And see, that, that uh, it doesn't matter how rough and tough you are, everybody loves a good love story. And again, I had your intention for the past couple of minutes, and now that probably will be all I get. But the Bible has many love stories full of right ingredients, tragedy, intrigue, romance, Jacob and Rachel, Esther and Xerxes, Ruth and Boaz, or one from which we just read, Isaac and Rebecca. This is, excuse me, this is one of the most favorite of love stories because it is so much like the greatest love story ever told. And that's the story of Jesus and his bride, the church. It is much like that. Isaac is, is much like Jesus. He was born in supernatural circumstances to his aged parents, Abraham and Sarah. Jesus was born in supernatural circumstances as well. Isaac also carried wood to his own sacrifice. And what did Jesus carry? He carried a wooden cross to his. So we see a lot of similarities. Rebecca is very much like the bride of Christ, the church. Rebecca went the second mile as the church is instructed to do where to go the second mile. Rebecca was willing to leave her world behind in pursuit of one that she had never seen. The church also is making a very similar pilgrimage. We've not seen him, but our hearts tells us that Jesus Christ is waiting for us. The greatest love story that is ever told, the love that Christ has for his church. The greatest example of what real love is, is a love of our bridegroom, Jesus Christ, for me, for you, for each and every one of us. He loves us so much that he died on the cross for you. Never, ever take it for granted. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to you and I. No. I'm not going to focus so much on Isaac and Rebecca. I'm not going to focus on Jesus Christ in the church. I'm not even going to focus so much on Eliezer, Abraham's servant, which is a marvelous example, by the way, of spirit-anointed ministry. You read about Eliezer, and you see spirit-anointed ministry. Isaac is mentioned eight times in this story. Rebecca is mentioned 13 times. The servant is mentioned 14 times. But the character of which I'm going to speak is mentioned more than any other in this story. 17 times. 17 times. And through this character, Rebecca was revealed as the future bride. Upon the shoulders of this character, Rebecca was delivered to Isaac. Character is not a human, it's a beast. And it's often called the ship of the desert, the burden bearer. And by this beast, the bride was selected. Follow me. Upon this beast, the bride is delivered. The beast of which I'm going to speak tonight is the camel. Lord Eliezer prayed, Eliezer prayed, let the young lady who not only offers water to me, but waters these camels as well. Let her be the one. What the servant had asked was no small task, and most people don't realize what really happened here. There were ten camels, all double parked at the well. Each camel can drink 30 gallons of water. That's 300 gallons of water that she carried in a jug. I, gave her, I, I will give it that her friends probably helped her. 
But it said that she did it, but I just assumed because that jug probably was one gallon. Do you know how many trips up and down steps in a well? We're not talking about going over and dropping the bucket on a rope. She went down steps, filled her jug, probably put it on her head, walked back up the steps. If she did this alone, she probably did it 300 plus times. Now, do you realize that? What happened here? Along comes Rebecca, again, with a group of girls from her village. She spies the stranger at the well, and with his camel caravan, she draws some water for the stranger. Then the fulfillment of his prayer request, she watered the camels and they, till they stopped drinking. Now, it reminds me of another time when the disciples had witnessed our Lord praying. So profound was its impact on them that one of the disciples separated from the pack and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Not teach us to preach. Not teach us to teach, not teach us to sing, not teach us to play, but teach us to pray. Martin Luther once said, as a shoemaker makes a shoe and a tailor makes a coat, so ought a Christian to pray. Prayer is the daily business of the Christian. Prayer is the daily business of a Christian. John Bunyan said, to be a Christian means to be one who prays. One who prays. That same preacher I was talking to today, uh, he made a statement. He said he was with a missionary that was going to Poland. And he said that, that, that this, this man, because he said we were just discussing things, and he said, you know, the, he said, I, I go around a lot, and he said the one thing that I see in all of our pastors, and that's weariness. And, and again, I just felt like that God sent him back here to confirm that I need to preach this tonight. He said, I see it, but he said, I, I had this, he said, this, this, I was taking care of this guy for Brother Pendergrass. He said, I was, I was taking care of, of a missionary for him going to Poland. He said, he said, I asked him, I said, how are people going to respond to the gospel over there? And he said, everybody in Poland's Catholic, but nobody goes to church, period. And he said, they're all that way. And he said, you know, he said, the only way we're going to have revival is for it to be a spiritual move. You hear me? And he said, we're going to go over there, and he said, we're going to take he said, we're going to take a good long time to pray. And he said, we're going to pray, and 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 we're going to battle, and we're going to pray. And he said, then we're going to go out on the street. Now, this is a good one. Maybe we want to think about it. And set up a Wi-Fi so that everybody can come around and tap into the Wi-Fi and be singing and doing all these things where while they're tapping. Now, that means they're going to be playing with their computers while you're preaching the gospel, but he said, at least we'll get them there. You know, it's not, of course, everybody around here can get to Wi-Fi, but over there it's not so easy. But he said that it's, uh, he said it's, the, it's a point, and the point we were discussing was this. It only is going to happen. We're only going to see a move of God the way we want to see a move of God. The what's been prophesied is going to happen, but there's got to be a way of getting there. And the only way of getting there is for us to get down to business in prayer. I, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about getting down to business and spending time in God's presence and saying, God, this is my heart's desire to see this person saved, to see people come into the church, to see and do the will of God above everything else in my life. That is the only way is to pray. It's not going to be done by anything other than prayer. You can be a Christian and not be able to sing. You can belong to the church without being able to read. You can be in God's family and be unable to preach or teach, but you cannot be a Christian without the ability to pray. You cannot do it. You have to pray. 
1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Luke 18, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Ephesians 6, be careful of nothing but in everything. Let your request be made known unto God. Philippians 4, 6. I exhort thee therefore that first of all prayers, 1 Timothy 2, 1. If my people will pray, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. I can keep going and keep going and keep going. The gist of the matter is this. We got to learn to pray all over again. It's not a matter of doing it so somebody can see me doing it. It's not a matter of me just getting down here and spending time because I expect it. It's a matter of wanting to do it so much that nothing else in your life matters. God, all I got to do is pray. I got to touch you. I got to hear you. I got to feel you. I got to be in your presence above everything else. There is a way you can tell what child of God will make, make it to the wedding day. There's a way you can tell which child of God's going to make it to the wedding day. I'm talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is a vehicle for delivering God's people. There's a way you're going to know if we're going to make it. I'm going to know if you're going to make it. I'm going to know if you're going to make it. I'm going to know if each and every one of you is going to make it. There is a delivery vehicle for God's people. It is as uncomely, awkward, an ungainly beast of prayer. Let's just be honest. Prayer is a beast. It is ugly. Don't you sit back there and be all pious to me. Oh, I love to pray. No, you don't. It takes time to pray. You got things to do. And you get down to pray and you don't know how. I taught on it for several Sunday mornings. And most of you probably don't remember. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. I divided this up. Ask, seek, and knock. And that, that's the very areas that we got. It takes time to get from asking to knocking. It takes time to arrive. It's an, it's an ungainly beast, this prayer. Prayer is the universal approach to God. We offer up our worship and praise through prayer. You see, you folks don't realize that most of you pray and you don't even know you pray. <sighs> no, you're not getting me. You're, you're, you're not understanding. When you run these aisles with your hands uplifted, when you're shouting hallelujah to the top of your voice, when the song becomes something different than just mimicking a few words, you see up here, it becomes a prayer. It becomes a prayer. It's more than just words. When you shout hallelujah with all you are praying, if you could take that and just stay with it, if you can't do anything else more than in a prayer meeting and say thank you, Jesus, you are praying. The thing is, God loves to be thanked. God loves to hear your worship. God loves to hear you praise. He loves to hear you say hallelujah. He loves for you to get in his presence. Sometimes all you can do is lay down on the floor and weep. The other day at home, I, my wife was, I don't know if she was gone or somewhere else in the house. I, I went in. I don't know what was, I don't know what was there. I don't know what was going on. It was something God was doing. Went in the living room, took my glasses off, started just weeping. 
just, just hadn't done that. There's no reason. No, I wasn't even praying. I just but later on, I, I realized that I was praying. I just hadn't said any words yet. And he just wept and wept. And you know, some of it, I, you know, we all get to the point where I was, I was having a bad day anyway. And, and I just, I was tired. I was tired of hurting. I was tired of hearing trash. I was tired of taking out the trash. Let's let you do that. And, you know, I'm just tired of all of it. And I just, it just caught up, and I just, just walked in, took my glass off, just started weeping. Wept for a long time. And finally, I just started thinking, you know, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. That's what prayer does for you. It sends those devils right back to where they came from. It sends those demons that try to, to discourage you and pull you down right back to where they came from. Next time you have a bad spot in your back, why don't you say, hey, God, send that pain that I've got right back where it belongs. You might find out somebody's performing a witchcraft ritual, all of a sudden starts having pain in their back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Send it right back where it belongs. Mm. We receive his spirit. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you did it through prayer. We receive direction through prayer. We can pray anywhere because God is everywhere. Whether your name is Rebecca, Daniel, or Paul, whether it's Smith, Brown, or McDonald, the names change, but the vehicle remains the same. That's it. It's the same old ungainly beast that we got to get on and ride to where we're going. Things don't change. Prayer, but prayer does change things. Things don't change prayer, but prayer changes things. Prayer is our burden bearer. It's a uniquely designed to carry the church from earth to glory. And those who tarry are endued with power from on high. Those who say, I will not let go until you bless me, have found power in prayer. Camel is not a gazelle. For those of you who don't know what a gazelle is, it is an African antelope. That is the will of God one day for me to go and perforate its hide. It does not have the grace of a lynx or a leopard. Another thing that I'd like to perforate their hide. I'm just giving you things I like to perforate. It is not particularly beautiful. You ever kissed a camel? And if you guys look at your wives, I will not say a word. I promise I'll not do that. <laughs> Some find prayer to be the same, a difficult beast to appreciate. You know, you stop looking and ask, camels will spit on you. I took Rick when he was a little kid. I don't know if that's a camel or a llama. It may have been a llama. But camels do the same thing. Anyway, we've... We were, you know, we were going through the zoo. And I can't remember. Again, it may have been a llama, but one of them turned around and spit right on him. I wanted to perforate his hide, but he wouldn't let me. <laughs> you know, in fact, let, let, let's go ahead and say it. Some people just flat hate to pray. Some people just hate to pray. And one of the devil's wiliest tricks is to destroy the best with the good. It's good to teach a Sunday school class, sing in the choir, testify and work around God's house, but it's best to pray. Okay, It's good to do those things, but it's best to pray. In those moments when we look away to Jesus, lives are changed. 
That, that's what I'm, I'm trying to get across. We, we, you know, I, I did a cell group here the other night and, 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 and you know, teaching them about Bible studies, building personalities and so forth, and building rapport with people. But the first thing that you have to do is pray yourself in there. Get yourself ready through prayer. Get the atmosphere ready within the home to be able to go out and reach a person. That happens through prayer. That is the only way that it happens. Yeah, and and he, he loves, the devil loves to try to stop that. And it, it's best to pray. In those moments when we look away to Jesus, again, lives are changed. Prayer is easy. Prayer is hard. It's a paradox. It's a paradox of touching God. It's easy, but it's hard. It's easy to pray in terms of simplicity. However, it is hard because it's such humbling work. It abases our intellect. It crucifies our vain glory. You know, you stop and think about it. You're getting down to pray. You know how you feel when you're praying over your food at Red Lobster? That, that quit bothering me a long time ago. You know, I'd have a prayer meeting at Red Lobster. It would make any difference to me. But, you know, I'm saying some people, when you're around, especially at your work, you know, whatever it may be, you're trying to bless your food. You don't want anybody to see you doing that. It's hard. Or I will ask you some Bible question. You wouldn't have the answer. You know, prayer is easy. Prayer is hard. That's the paradox. You know, it, 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 it abases our intellect, crucifies our vain glory, and witnesses uh, to our spiritual bankruptcy. It testifies to the fact that apart from Jesus Christ, we can do absolutely nothing, according to John 15 and 5. The, the, the flesh does not like to be humbled, according to Matthew 26. Yet the downside of avoiding this humbling is that the Lord knows the proud from a distance. Okay? And that's exactly where he keeps them. You don't believe me? Psalm 136 or 138, verse 6. He knows the proud from a distance, and they stay distant from him. He doesn't mess with you. Prayer is a daily reminder that we can get too big for God to use us, but we can never be too small. Never. Daily we need bread. Daily we need God. Daily we need it. My favorite thing anymore, it's been for some time, and I get away from it and I come back to it, and I get away from it and I come back to it. And that's that scripture said, no flesh should glory in his presence. And my God, we live in such a glorifying flesh world. The church is full of it. The church, not just, not us. I'm talking about all churches. So much glorifying the flesh. So much. I, I, there's things I used to do, and I, I know some of the ministry wants me to pick them up and do them again. But you know what I found out? One reason I got away from them is I began to see flesh glorying in his presence. I don't need that. I don't need that. I, 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 you know, I need to let, I need to let the, the musicians know what I'm preaching so they can get songs. But I'm going to tell you this. If God changes my mind, you're in trouble. And you see, that is the very way I want to be able. I want to have the liberty not to be chained down by anything. We need to pray ourselves away from the chains that people would like to bind us with. The friend that is next to you, he may want to bind you down, but God wants you to be free. God wants you to be able to touch him, live for him, love him. Oh, that's what he wants. I don't care if I hear the applaud of thousands. I just want to hear the applaud of two nail-scarred hands. Yeah. 
Lord, teach us to pray. More than this, God, teach us to find beauty in this beast called prayer. There is no extrinsic beauty of prayer. Prayer is brutal business. It really is. But if we looked beyond the cursory glance with its inconveniences, the tears and the travail, we could find the beauty only found in prayer. Rebecca, on that pivotal day when your life changed, what beauty did you see in those beasts? Why were you willing to go the second mile to water ten camels? Rebecca, could you tell us why she should pay attention to the beast? After all, prayer was, was fine for the brush harbors, storefronts, but surely we've progressed past all that. Hell, then you're getting to be an old preacher when you start looking back at the things that worked and the things that we changed that don't work. And no matter what, it still comes down to that simplicity but that brutality of getting down and hurting. It still comes down to those simple PF, prayer and fasting. Still comes down to it. No matter what, it comes down to it, and it's brutal, and we don't like it. Why do we take it out? Why do we try to do things, you know, set things up and, and bypass those issues? Because it's hard on us. We don't want to do it. It hurts. Sacrifice always hurts. Always hurts. Rebecca, do we still need this beast? Do we still need it? If Rebecca could speak, I wonder what she would say. Maybe she would, uh, maybe she would speak of the first and the most obvious beauty of this beast. Maybe that's what she would say. And she might just say, well, this thing comes highly recommended. She wasn't given a choice. The vehicle sent from the father's house was the camel. Jesus rode this beast extensively. He put prayer through its paces in the wilderness, on the mountaintop, in the garden, in the cemetery. Throughout his earthly ministry, we find Jesus meeting with this beast of prayer. He met with it often. Before Calvary could be reached, the beast had to be ridden to Gethsemane. I've thought the scripture I'm about to read to you. Through the years, I've used it. I've heard some old timers used it. I heard my great aunt refer to it a few times. James 5.16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Availeth much. These are the people that lived it. These are the people that saw miracles happen. And they found availing prayer. Or they found availing power, rather, in fervent prayer. They found it in fervent prayer because they believed that scripture. What other beauty is there? Really, what else is there? Camels can survive Arctic cold, Sahara heat. Camels can carry up to 1,000 pounds of cargo, even in the deserts. Camels can travel for days without food or water. Camels have tremendous reserves of strength. What is, why is prayer beautiful? Because prayer has stamina and strength. Rebecca, if Isaac truly loved you, he would have sent a chariot pulled by Arabian stallions. Now, come on. He wants his wife. He should have sent the best Arabians and stallions, plumes under, you know, gold dripping from their harness, 
looking good. That's what all women deserve. But I can imagine her smile and say, you don't know much about the desert, do you, Robertson? These camels may not be much to look at, but I'm in this for the long haul. I don't care about winning a race. I want to make sure I can make the trip. I'm 400 miles from Isaac. But when I'm through watering and feeding these camels, these camels can go 1,000 miles without refueling. These beasts have the power to see me through. Prayer has more than enough power to get you home. It has more than enough power to get you home. <laughs> oh, come on, give him a hand clap of praise. Jesus gives you the divine multiple choice. He said, either you pray or you faint. That's your choices. So let's make the trip of prayer. Camel's also like a pigeon. It has this inner guidance system. If a camel has made the trip once, you don't have to program your GPS. Okay? It can make the trip twice. Prayer may seem slow, but every step made in prayer is one in the right direction. Now, you follow that one, folks. The, the problem with most of us is that we don't pray it all the way through. We don't pray it all the way through. I know I can ask God one time, and God knows exactly what I have need of, but I like to get down and say, God, you remember what we talked about yesterday? Next day, God, you remember what we talked about yesterday? God, you remember what we talked about last week? Hey, God, you remember what we talked about two years ago? And when I'm old, if it's still not there, God, do you remember what I said about 42 millennial ago? But the thing is, you got to pray it all the way through. God will, and I promise you this, God will always answer prayer. It may not be the way you like it, but he will answer it. Be sure you're not praying something through that's already been answered. Mm. What's that old song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? All our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry. Everything to the Lord in prayer. Prayer will see you through. You know, Pastor, I still don't see the beauty. You're just sitting back there. I just don't get it. I just cannot grasp it. My mental faculties are clogged up. I don't get it. All right, here it is. Okay, follow me now. You, you don't get it, follow me. Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord. Now, stop. Where's the beauty in that? They that wait upon the Lord. Where's the pretty in that? Hold on. Shall renew their strength. There's the beauty in that. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. <laughs> That's the beauty in the beast. All right. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for the night. All right, Pastor, where's the beauty in solitary weeping? Here it comes. Here it comes. Are you ready? 
But joy comes in the morning. You see, that's what it's all about. Sometimes we may have to cry and cry until the carpet is saturated, but there's going to be joy that comes in the morning. There's going to be joy. Oh, my God. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me all ye that weary and heavily laden, but where is a pretty in that? And I will give you rest. Oh, God. I will give you rest. There is beauty in this beast. There is beauty in this beast. Laban looked at Rebekah and said, will thou go with this man? The question is, is whether we have persevering faith do we have what it takes to go all the way with God do you have what it takes you know I, I don't mean to embarrass but I, I, I'm going to say it anyway and those of you that have seen it and I don't please leave Jamie alone God dealt with me and I may be part of the reason I come up with this I felt like God spoke to me and said you pray for her until she conceives and I said, every service, I'm going to pray. If I miss it, somebody else will get it. But I'm going to pray with her till this happens. She made a statement. You know, y'all need to help me pray. I think, I, I think sometimes God puts things on us just to say, I'm going to show you just exactly what I can do. And I'm going to show you exactly what you can do when you don't quit. When you don't give up, when you pray it through. That's why that when you come into this place, you should come out of a prayer room. You should come into this place with prayer still on your lips. When you run the aisles, you're still praying. When you go back and forth this way, you're still praying. When you come down to the altar, you're still praying. When you go home, that's the finally then. Finally then you say, I have prayed the entire day. I have prayed the entire service. I have God dealt with me. God's given me answers. And I'm going to stand on every answer that he's given me. Rebecca had already shown she had the ability to go beyond, above and beyond the call of duty. Now she had to answer if she was willing. I've got the ability, but are you willing, Rebecca, to go with this man? You know, it's one thing to say, yeah, yeah, right tonight, but how many is going to be here Thursday? How many? You know, it, it's like this. If I can't make it for an hour, if I can make it for 15 minutes, it doesn't matter. I'm there. I'm going to try to do something. We're, we're, we're going we're to start getting together in unity and prayer. We can have meetings to come out my ears. Department head meetings, deacon meetings, meetings with the preachers. 
meeting with the musicians, meeting with the bathroom cleaners, <laughs> meeting with the trash haulers, meeting with Charles. <laughs> you know, the only thing we really need to meet is with Jesus Christ together right here. That's where we need to meet. That's where we need to meet. Mm. <laughs> Not only did she have to make that decision once, but each day during the journey, she had to make a decision to water the beast and to ride it. Are you willing to hold on to that shaggy mane of the burden bearer and say, I will not let go. I'm going to make it to the other side. It was evening. The Bible says when Isaac walked from his tent and looked to the horizon, he saw Eliezer's camel caravan coming toward him. He raced across the field to meet his bride-to-be. On that momentous day, maybe Rebecca had noticed that they kept riding when they should have stopped. It was too late to stop and make camp, and the sunlight was fading fast, and perhaps she noticed Eliezer appearing to look into the distance as if he was wishing to see a familiar sight. Maybe she noticed that the camel's pace had begun to quicken and knowing that they were almost home. She hears a shout, and she sees Eliezer pointing to a figure racing towards them. Abraham's servant turns to Rebecca and he says, this is it. This is the day. This is, oh God. This is a day we've been preparing for. This is a day we've been longing for. Rebecca, this is why we watered the beast daily. This is why we rode through the desert. That's, that's him. This is your wedding day. The camels came to a stop. The Bible says that Rebecca crawled off her camel I can't help but imagine before she raced into the arms of Isaac, she turned and looked back at that ugly kneeling beast and he said, thank you for carrying me home. Thank you for carrying me home. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. May I thy consolation share till from Mount Pisgah's lofty height I view my home and take my flight. And my immortal flesh shall rise to size the everlasting prize and shout while passing through the air, farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Music comes and we stand. Oh, she'll pull cuss up to a burden too large for you to carry. They're here for you to cast your cares upon. They're here to take you to the lover of your soul, to the land where bondage is exchanged for liberty, where beauty becomes ashes. Where heaviness is replaced by hope, they are waiting. They are waiting. They are waiting. Is there just one person in this house, just one, who will say, I, I, I'll water the camels. 
Do you think that you have neither a well nor a bucket? This burden bearer is watered with tears springing from founts within us. This burden bearer is watered with tears springing from founts within. You want to water the camels tonight, it's going to take the tears. Would you come? Would you come to this altar? Would you water? Would you water the camels tonight?